Let them know you love them. Let them know that it's a good day. Let them know that God is present. Let them know you're excited about being in the presence of the Lord. Put a smile on your face. You don't know who might need to see that this evening. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to the Most High God. Glory to the Most High God. I don't know about you, but sometimes just taking a moment to recognize and acknowledge that God is here and and that he loves me, that he loves you, recognizing there's not a problem that's too big for him or too great for him, acknowledging his love. I mean, he loves us. I mean, okay, so I'm going to make it personal. He loves me. Just where I am with all my issues and problems. Because, guys, if y'all don't know it, this is an imperfect vessel in standing in front of you who serves a perfect God, who loves me perfectly, who sees me through the eyes of Christ, the blood of Jesus. In him, there's nothing missing in me. In him, there's nothing lacking in me. And when I think about that, I get charged up. I get excited because I've been disappointed in natural love. I've been hurt. By people. I have felt abandoned and used and misused. But the one thing I know for a certainty that I have never one day of my life felt unloved by God. And that's a real good place to be. Amen? Amen. So how many of you are happy to be in the house of the Lord this evening? Glory to God. Well, it's kind of obvious I'm not Pastor Gregory, nor am I Pastor Trish. Um, But, you know, they need vacation like the rest of us do. And I'm grateful that they're there. Have you been lifting your pastors in prayer? If you haven't, lift them. You know, I I can't imagine being a pastor. I'm not called to that office. And I actually thank God for that. Because it's a big, big, heavy weight. And they can't do it without Christ. But they also need us to keep their arms lifted. They need that. It's easy to sit in those pews and make judgments. just is. And we all do it. None of us is innocent of that from time to time. But I encourage you to take a step back and recognize what God has called them to. And make sure you keep them lifted. Amen? All right. So with that, um, um, Minister George laid down the foundation in prayer, didn't he, y'all? I don't know if you all were here, but he prayed everything that I might need to pray before I get started. So I'm not repeating no prayers. And then the praise team came in and just, mm, praise God for the praise team. Amen? And so the table has been set, and I hope your heart is expecting and that you do not leave disappointed. Amen? Amen. All right. So um, today I am going to endeavor to talk to you about a, a, a subject that has been very personal for me lately, extremely personal. I tend to minister to things that God is dealing with me on. Um, we're going to talk today about a Sabbath day's rest, entering, laboring to enter into a Sabbath day's rest. We'll also talk a little bit about the barrier to entering into that rest, um, how we can cease from our works, diligence, and what diligence means as it relates to entering into the rest. And then lastly, we'll talk about the Word of God. I'll keep it real with you. That clock goes fast. I got a lot of data. And I may not get through everything, and I'm okay with that. But I believe with all my heart what I say is what God needed for you to hear. And so open up. Open up. Don't listen for your neighbor, your husband, your co-worker. Listen for yourself, because this is a very, very important teaching. 
So our foundation text can be found in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11. And if you get, when you get there, just give me a shout, a hello, a wave, so I'll know people are there, because there's a wave, one wave. So you got a few more waves. Praise be the Lord. We're getting there. I had an amen, so I think I heard enough, and a thumbs up. I like the thumbs up. I got enough feedback that I think I can get going, okay? So here we are, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11. It reads, let us, therefore, be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same examples of disobedience. That's Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11. That is our foundation text. There is a belief in the body of Christ that Christianity is easy. You hear other religions talk about that. Oh, it's easy to be a Christian. All you have to do is accept Jesus and you're done. Well, although that's true, that's incomplete. We recognize that we did not work for salvation. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 tells us that salvation is a free gift. It's a a gift of of grace and not of works. Because if we did it by works, what would we do? Boast, each and every one of us. We know that um, in Galatians and Romans, it talks about that we receive the Holy Spirit. And we received all of the character traits of the Holy Spirit without us lifting one finger. Amen? We know that we have the blessing, not because of anything that we did, but only receiving Jesus' cross brought us the blessing. But there are things that we need to do. There are efforts that need to be done in our Christian walk that we don't often talk about. And so what we will talk about today as we dig in a little bit deeper is what that effort actually looks looks like. So chapter 4 in Hebrews is where we're going to spend some time, chapter, um, verses 1 through 11. Uh, we'll stay there primarily, and, and I'm coming out of the New King James Version unless I tell you otherwise. So chapter uh, 4, verse 1, starts with the word, therefore. And so I want to set a foundation so you understand what it's there for. Therefore always means for that reason or um, as a result of. Well, if you look at Hebrews chapter 1 through 4, the reason or the result of that therefore is the primary theme throughout Hebrews, and that's Jesus. Talks primarily about Jesus in Hebrews. And is wanting us to pay attention to a couple of things in particular. Number one, that Jesus is God's final word on everything. Wants to remind us um, in verses 1 through 3 that Jesus um, is higher than our angels, far superior to the angels wants to remind us that we're also higher than the angels, that God masterfully and mindfully made us. He made us superior. He also wanted to remind us, the author of Hebrews, to hold fast to our confession, because quite often we let it slip. wanted us to, to remind us of that. And then the culminating theme of one through four is, what are we talking about? Laboring to enter into the rest. Amen? All right. So with that, Let's start with reading Hebrews 4, 1 through 11. 1 through 11. I will read the entire passage, and then we're going to go back and break it down, okay? Uh, This is Bible study, so this is going to be some flat-footed teaching tonight. And I assume that's what you came for. Amen. Amen. Here we go. Verse 1. Therefore, we already know what the therefore means, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. And the them is the first generation Israelites. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. 
For we who have believed do not do enter that rest, as he has said. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundations of the world. If you have not highlighted that in your book, in your Bible, or on your tablet, highlight or underline that the works were finished from the foundations of the world. That's really key. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience, again he designates a certain day, saying in David, Today, underline today, after such a long time as it has been said, Today, underline today, if you will hear his voice, Do not harden your hearts, for if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There is remaining, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us, therefore, back to our foundational text, let us, therefore, be diligent to enter that rest lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Amen? Amen. So the first thing we want to talk about is what is a Sabbath day's rest? How many of you in here actually practice honoring the Sabbath day? Anybody in here practice honoring? And there's no, there's no condemnation here. We're all family. None of us is perfect. Together, we're the body. Each one of us provides and supplies, but no one has every piece. So don't let the enemy put you in condemnation if I ask just for a show of hand. It helps me to understand and locate my audience. That's really all I'm doing, okay? All right. So a few hands went up, but I would say that most of us do not participate in the Sabbath day's rest, correct? But if we look at um, what it is, first of all, the Sabbath day's rest is both natural and it's spiritual. So we're first first going to talk about the natural side. Verse 4, and again, we're going to go through verses 1 through 11, not necessarily in order, but I'll let you know which verse I'm going to. So I'm getting ready to reread verse 4 to you. It says, For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. So it's obvious they're talking about, or the author is talking about, the Sabbath day's rest that we learn about in Leviticus chapter 23, Exodus chapter 20, and Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 to 3. God was very clear in those scriptures. He said, six days you can work. Work for six days. Get it going. From sunrise to sunset, do what needs to be done. But then he says on that seventh day, that's it. I want you to sit it down, and I want you to rest. He says, I want you to rest. Why? Because I worked for six days. I created this earth in six days. He says, and then I sat down. I sat down, and I rested. So God has ceased from his works as we know works, and we know he is upholding everything by the power of his word. That's it. And who can then speak that same word and change and rearrange and affect our lives? That would be us. So God is saying that we need to then rest from our labor and rest from our works. And quite often, we struggle with doing that. Let's just be honest. 
We live in a fast-paced society. We are in the age of information and the age of technology, and things are changing and moving like that. And most times we think when we get more technology, it's going to save us some time, correct? How many of you thought that smartphone was just the greatest thing in the world? You raise up all your hands and your feet. You know you did. Love that smartphone. And how many of you are just attached to it? It seems like you can never put it down, and there's always something else for you to do when you look at it. It's nonstop. And God knew this was going to happen. This didn't catch him by surprise. It may have caught us by surprise, but it didn't catch God by surprise. And that's why before the foundations (laughs) of the earth were established, he already put some things in place because he knew that this day would come and that we needed, literally needed that Sabbath day's rest. And yet, how many of us again are actually living it? Not many. Not many. So we know what we're not supposed to do, correct? Not supposed to cook. And let's go back uh, to the Old Testament version of the Sabbath day's rest so that we understand what it looks like there. From that perspective, um, it is Friday sundown to Saturday sundown, 24-hour roughly time period. During that time period, you don't cook, you don't clean, you don't mow the lawn, you don't do anything that would cause you to break any kind of sweat. Uh, You were expected to see that day as holy and see that day as blessed and see it as a set-apart day. It was a day that you would worship the Lord, spend time in his presence. Let's bring it today, up to today. So same things, nothing different, but then it might be also a time of fellowship where iron sharpens iron. Might be a time with friends and family so that you can spend time with each other, getting to know each other, sharing the word with one another. A time maybe where you read your Bible or watch a Christian movie, listen to some Christian music. Something that puts you in a space where you're focused on God. Now, a lot of times people do the Sabbath day, but they're not necessarily focused on God. They're just focused on what? Rest. But in that rest, there's something that's supposed to happen. Let's talk about that just a moment. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, it reads, And on the seventh day God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. The word rested there is Shabbat, and it's a primary root word to cease, desist, and rest. It means that something was brought to an end, it ceased, it was done away with, it disappeared, But this is the part that really got my attention that I thought was so powerful about God's resting. And remember, he was an example for us. How many of you know God didn't need rest? Okay. This was his example to us. So when I got to this part, it was like, I get it, finally. It goes on to say that rested means that we hear more. We observe. We observe the rest. That means staying in the moment. We're not thinking about the next day, trying to figure out what we can ma- how we can make up time that we lost. How many of you know in God there is no lost time? There is no time for God. It's always now. Always now. Always now. So when you're in your Sabbath, it's now for God, and that's all you need. Tomorrow will take care of itself. So the goal is to stay in the present, stay in the moment, stay in the now, and observe the rest. Observe what's happening with yourself. Observe your body beginning to relax. Observe your mind being able to focus on the very thing that you've been trying to get it to focus on and couldn't because now you have stepped away from the work. You've ceased from your labor. And the last thing that it says is silence. Rested means silence. 
Now, I would bet that if I asked who prays in here on a regular recurring basis, almost everybody would raise their hand. And then if I ask, and how many of you make sure that you spend a large portion of time in your prayer and your devotion just being quiet, I think a lot of our hands would then go down. We go to that throne like this. We are bombarding God with what we want and what we need and how we feel, and we never get quiet enough to hear what he has to say. Now, remember, we're talking about laboring to enter into the Sabbath day's rest, laboring. And so what happens quite often is because we don't practice the natural Sabbath, quieting our physical bodies, quieting our minds, we struggle entering into the spiritual side of the Sabbath day's rest. Amen? So we'll talk about what the spiritual side is, and I think you'll better see the connection. Okay. Um, Let's go to verse number 7. And just remember, there is a spiritual Sabbath day's rest that does belong to us as Christians, and I say this emphatically today. So verse 7 says, again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, today, not tomorrow, not yesterday, but today, after such a long time, as it has been said, today, if you will hear his voice, whose voice is that? God's voice, and do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. So we know the Ten Commandments never went away. They're still there, yes. We recognize that that the Sabbath day is holy and it should be honored. We recognize that. So if we know that it didn't go away, then God has to be talking about a different type of Sabbath day's rest. And he's not talking about salvation here. That's another misconception people hear when they hear the scriptures that God must be talking about salvation. He's not, and I'll show that to you in a moment. He's talking about a rest from your works. And I don't mean just getting up going to work. I'm talking about your works to please God, to move God's hand, to get favor from him, to feel worthy, to feel spiritual, to feel righteous and holy, and all the other things that we do when we work for God. God is saying the work has already been done. We've all heard the grace message. How many of us believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in here? We all believe. We believe in Jesus, but do we believe the gospel? And there's a difference. Because, see, the gospel is far deeper than your sins have been forgiven and that you'll spend eternity in heaven. See, we keep waiting for the sweet by and by. We say we aren't, but that's what we do. We're waiting to get to heaven for everything to be okay. We don't believe we're healed if we've got sickness in our bodies. We believe we're healed when we don't. See, faith and entering into the rest has nothing to do with when everything is going well. It has everything to do with when everything is not going well. That's how you locate where you are. How anxious are you? Are you able to sleep at night? Do you rehearse what you got to do at work over and over? Are you able to sit down and just have a decent conversation with somebody? Are you constantly checking your phone because somebody might want to say something to you or something that somebody might need? Can you go on vacation and not check your emails? Are you curt with everybody? Are you shooting birds at people when you drive down the road? How are you with your spouse? 
Are you constantly figuring out how you can manipulate and, and, and convince and connive your children to do what you want them to do because you don't believe God has done it or he hasn't done it fast enough or he won't do it at all? Where's your faith when your baby hadn't come home for three nights? Where's your faith then? Do you believe that your child is really whole, healed, complete, entire, lacking and wanting nothing, that the hand of God is on them, the blood of Jesus is enough, the angels have surrounded them, and you can lay your head down and go to sleep? But this is what we say. But that's my baby, and somebody's got to pray for him, but you have prayed for him. And so how many times do we have to pray? Because, see, that's your works. You're trying to move the hand of God. So either you believe he's for you or you don't. And let me tell you, it's okay if you don't. (gasps) God is not moved by your unbelief. He already knows. Shocker, newsflash. He's after your heart. That's all he's ever been after. Everything God does is in an effort to get you to that promised land that's on this earth. Not the sweet by and by. That's already sealed, guys. That deal is sealed. Did you ask him into your heart? Do you believe he's the son of God? That's a sealed deal. But we got to walk this thing out called life each and every day. And it's not a one-time thing. It's a daily thing. And quite often, we think that there's no more work to be done. But there is, because there is a rest that God promised each and every one of us. And I would dare to say that most of us have not entered into it completely. Some of us have stepped in, and then we step out. We're in all the way on some things. Maybe you got that financial faith down pat. You are trusting God. God can tell you to give up $10,000 right now, and you are writing that track, and literally it can wipe out your bank account, and you are not concerned because you are in faith, and you know God is your source, and it doesn't matter what anybody says because he's got your back. But then you may not be in faith when it comes to healing. You haven't entered into that rest. So when you get the bad report from the doctor, it rattles and shakes everything about you, even though you won't admit it to not even yourself. So there is this place, the Sabbath day's rest, that's a spiritual rest that God wants us to enter into. And there is only one enemy, one barrier that keeps us from entering into that rest. What is it? Ourselves and what we believe. And so ultimately that culminates to unbelief. It's unbelief, plain and simple. That's the reason why the Israelites didn't go into the promised land. Let's think about this. They had the greatest revelations and miracles in a short period of time than anybody else in the Bible. Will we all agree? And yet they served other gods. Y'all remember the fatty little cow, little golden, golden calf? Is that what it was? Golden calf. There were clear instructions on the manna. They did it their way. Yeah, y'all remember that. They failed to believe God about entering into the promised land, and only two got to go. Only two. Now, remember, the greatest revelations and the greatest miracles, and yet they would not go into the promised land. They refused for themselves to enter into the presence of God. Instead, you know what they wanted? 
They wanted Moses to go into the temple and, and hear what God had to say and then come back and tell us. So y'all laugh, but that sounds real familiar, doesn't it? Because some people come to church and they want to hear what the pastor has to say. But then do they enter into the presence of, the, of God on their own where you're spending time in his word, where you're spending time in his presence, when you're ministering to him and he's ministering to you? And so we can kind of be harsh on the Israelites, can't we? And it's really important for us to remember that as harsh as we want to be on them, we have a greater responsibility to check ourselves. Present company included. You know, I I told you this is near and dear to me because I'm living this, learning how to enter into the rest. And I've been saying it and, and, and speaking it and spending time in God and started off great with the Sabbath day rest. And then somewhere around March, it just tanked. My Sabbath day's rest just kind of went by the wayside. And I was back at works. Didn't even know I was back at works, but I was. And God revealed something to me. I just got off vacation. And vacation's a wonderful thing. I just want to say that. (laughs) Wonderful thing. But while I was on vacation, he showed me the errors of my ways. I knew it had been eight months since I had had vacation, and I don't count Christmas and Thanksgiving because I'm a mama and a wife. Can all the women please say amen? Amen. Y'all understand what Christmas and Thanksgiving entails? Yes, 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 honey, yes. Okay, so eight months without a vacation. So although I was still praying, spending time in the Word, guess what I wasn't doing? I wasn't resting this body. And I wasn't shutting down this mind. I'm just driving, 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 driving. And I had done it so long, I got comfortable being in the driver's seat. I didn't allow myself time to stop and do nothing. And allow God to take care of me and talk to me and minister to me. And so my work got harder. My sleep was interrupted. I became more irritable. I'm still praying, and I'm still in the Word. But see, there's this place of buffeting our flesh and renewing our minds that allows us to hear from God. And when we don't do that, we deceive ourselves into believing that just reading the word and going to church and doing all the things that we normally do will get us through. It will for a season, but it will catch up with us. There is a place for the natural Sabbath day's rest, and there is a spiritual Sabbath day's rest that we have to labor purposefully and intentionally to enter into. Amen? All right, I don't know where I am or where I'm supposed to be. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. This is a really important scripture as it relates to this. And a lot of times we read this and we think we're natural, but this is a spiritual principle that Christ is talking about. He says, come to me all, not some, but all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your spirits. Is that what that says? For your soul. 
And our soul is our what? Our mind, our will, and our emotions. Not our spirit, right? And he's saying to us, if you will allow yourself to enter into that place of rest, that spiritual place of rest, if you enter into that, you're going to find rest for your soul. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We have a big brother. We have a great high priest who can be touched by all of our infirmities. He is not unaware of what we go through. Even when we labor to stay in faith, he gets that. I mean, let's just go back to the Garden of Gethsemane for a moment. Can we do that? There was no greater faith test for any human being before, during, or after. Can you imagine the images he had to cast down? Do you not think he had seen a crucifixion before in his life? By golly, he was in the Roman area. He had seen a crucifixion. He knew what he was about to endure. He recognized that he was going to be separated from his heavenly father, whom he had never been separated from before. Do you really think that his first desire was to get up and be brutalized like that? It was a faith test. He knew what God told him. There's no mistake about that. But going to the garden demonstrated that at that moment, he himself was in a struggle. And if Christ struggled, how much more do you think then we might struggle? Hence, we have to labor to enter into the rest. That's where our work comes in. And it's not necessarily easy, but it's not difficult. Amen? All right. Um, I don't know where I am. All right. Um, I just want to share this with you because I think this is really important. I'm going to take you back to verse 1 for a moment. And it says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. We don't like the word fear in the body of Christ, do we? Mm -mm. I think the reason why is the first thing that comes to mind, I do believe it's 2 Timothy 1, 7 where it says God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. So then we automatically dispel, dismiss, get rid of, think negatively about any fear that may come along. But think about it. Uh, Paul also told us to work out our salvation with what? Fear and trembling. So there is a proper type of fear as Christians that we need to be aware of and we need to operate in. Now, from a natural standpoint, I promise you, if, I don't know, some gorilla came running through those doors, all of y'all would book. Oh, who would stay? Because I'm gone. (laughs) That's our natural flight and fight response. That came from God. That did not come from the devil. It keeps us safe. I've mentioned this before, and we're the only mammals that override that thing. Some idiot comes to our door, and we look at them, but we feel like, well, you know, I should open up the door because they are doing a charitable thing. But you got that check, and you still open the door. We'll override our natural fear that God gave us. To the same degree, that word fear there, and I'll tell you what it means. It means to put to flight, to withdraw from, to flee from, avoid, 
and to take anxious care. So the author is saying that there is a promise that remains and you should do whatever you can to flee from, avoid, put to flight unbelief that would keep you from entering into the rest. There should be this sense of fear that we get anytime we start pulling away from faith. And that fear only lasts long enough to remind us that we're not in faith. That's all it's there for. We have to be diligent, be conscientious, be aware of when we're not in faith. Faith is the only thing that pleases God. Without faith, it's impossible to please him is what it says. There is a need for us to appropriate all promises from God by faith. There's nothing we do with God that is separate from faith. It is even by faith that we receive Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. So faith is very important, and yet we will walk around unaware of where we are as it relates to faith. Grace is powerful. Grace is important. It was a message that needed to be taught to the body of Christ. But it is nothing independent of faith. Absolutely nothing. And we have become people who say things, but we don't necessarily have faith in what we're saying. We don't even necessarily know where it came from. We just heard it. See, there's a Christian culture and there's a worldly culture. And a lot of us live by the Christian culture. We know what to say, when to say it, how to say it, where to say it, when to lift up hands, when to put hands down, when to say hallelujah, when to get our dance on, when to get our shout on, and we don't even know why we're doing any of it. We've just been taught to do it. It's not by faith, it's by rote. And so that's why when trouble comes, because God already told us it's coming. If you all haven't had any, that's a miracle in and of itself. But trouble is coming. And what will sustain you is your faith. Your faith. Amen? All right. Um, You notice I come back here and say, um, because i got to figure out, okay, what am I going to tell you all in eight minutes? (sighs) All right. Um, Just keep in mind, guys, we really are not that different from the ancient Israelites. I mentioned that to you before. Um, They heard the good news just like we've heard the good news. Remember I told you to underline since the foundation of time, God already prepared a way before the foundations. This isn't new for God. He had prepared a way before. It was meant first for the Israelites. You understand, we're engrafted into the family. His heart's desire was for them to enter into that rest. But because the rest went untouched, unused, that rest belongs to us. Now, I'm glad and excited about it, but it isn't there because they didn't hear the good news. They heard the good news, but theirs was mixed with unbelief. And unbelief leads to hardened hearts, and hardened hearts lead to disobedience. So if you find yourself being disobedient about something God has called you to do, odds are your heart got hardened in that area, and it all stemmed from unbelief. That's why we have to labor to enter into the rest. That rest doesn't come just because you said it, you wanted it to. You can confess scripture all day long, but if you have not made the fundamental decision to believe and accept that God's word is true at face value, it doesn't matter what scripture you confess. You have to say that God is right, he said it, and that settles it, and I'm going to live it 
for the scripture that you're quoting to have any effect in your life. Because without faith mixed with the word, you are left with unbelief. Every single solitary time. So there has to be this reckoning. I mean, let's think about this. I don't know your testimonies. I don't know what you live. I don't know where you are. I only know me. But if you can look at yourself and say, I'm not tithing. I don't pray on a regular recurring basis. I don't give to those who might have need. Didn't take all that. I don't like praise and worship. I definitely don't listen to Christian music. If you can say anything along those lines or anything like that, odds are you are in unbelief. Why do I say that? Because if you believe God's word is true, that he takes care of your needs, he supplies all your needs, and that he gives seed to the sower, you'd sow. No matter what your bank account looks like, you would sow. If you believed that he hears your prayers and that he answers them every time, not sometimes, and the answer may not always agree with what you want, but he does answer them. If you believe that without a shadow of a doubt, guess what you would do? You'd pray. Locate where you're in unbelief. I can't locate it for you. But there is a laboring to enter into the rest, and it begins with identifying with where you are. None of us is in 100% faith. Don't tell yourself you are. You will miss the very gifts and promises that God has for you. None of us is in 100% faith. But here's the good news. <laughs> I just love this. The word of God discovers our condition. Does that make sense? Not us. I mean, the things that you think you're in faith in, you're in faith in, right? You're moving forward. You have no doubt that you're in faith in. Then there are things that you recognize that you're not in faith in. And I know this crowd. You're busy finding the word that's relevant. You're looking up books that you can read so that you can strengthen and sharpen yourself. You're getting together with like-minded people. That's where small groups comes in and where dream team comes in, where iron sharpens iron. I mean, you're in fellowship for a reason, right? But if you don't know you're not in faith, how, how would you know? Independent of the word. You know, if it's left up to us, we'll address the fruit and not the root. But it's left up to God and his word will address the root. Let me tell you why I say that. Go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. A lot of times we read this scripture and we take it totally out of context. We are laboring to enter into the rest, which means that we are ceasing from our own works. We're letting go of our way of doing things. We've made a decision that God knows best and we're going to follow his leading. But it is not a one-time decision. It is a day-by-day, hour by our ceasing from our works and entering into the rest, laboring to enter into it. And so we need help. Anybody besides me needs help? I need help. Now watch what God has to say about it in verse, I'm going to start with 11 actually, because I think together they do a better job. Let us therefore be diligent. 
And that diligent means to labor, strive diligently, be zealous, exert ourselves to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart. God's word has the ability to get to the very core, the very heart of whatever it is that you're dealing with so that he can show you where your unbelief is so that you can make a decision to change that thing. If you could do it yourself, how many of you would have done it? But you can't. There is no change. There is no growth. There is no faith independent of the word of God. I love this scripture, and I have known this scripture for years, but I never married it to verse 11. And I realized I can't labor to enter into the rest unless I labor to stay in the word. The word is our source of power to know who we are. When you couple your spiritual Sabbath with the natural Sabbath and you're taking time to quiet yourself, taking time to spend time in the word, God will show you exactly who you are and what you are and what he has called you to do and what you need to do to make that change so that you can walk in the fullness of what he has for you. He is faithful and he's not a man that he should lie nor the son of man that he should repent. His promises are yes and amen, but you got to believe it before you can receive it. You got to believe it. I like looking at things in different versions. So I looked up that scripture in the, um, what's that thing? Young's literal translation. Anybody ever read that translation? It's supposed to be the literal Greek translation. And, and I believe them. I, I don't have any reason not to believe them yet. And so I'm reading this and it says in verse 12, For the reckoning of God is living and working. The reckoning of God. Not the word. It said the reckoning. I'm like, the reckoning, God, what the heck is the reckoning? It's the act of judging something. The act of calculating the position of something and the summing up. That's what the reckoning is. So the reckoning of God, the act of judging something, God's act of judging something is living and working. God's act of calculating the position, the heart position of someone is living and working. God's act of summing up somebody is living and working. Usually we look at um, the word of God is living and powerful, and it is full of power, but we forget that it's working that it's doing something. God's word isn't just in the universe hanging out, high-fiving and fist bumping. God's word is making a change and rearranging and setting things up and moving things out of the way. It's revealing and delivering and setting free. God's word is powerful, but it's only the word you believe that will work on your behalf. So we've gone full circle right back to faith. Right back to faith. And so how then do we labor to enter into the work, to the rest? We recognize that there's a Sabbath day's rest in the natural. We recognize there's one in the spiritual. We recognize that unbelief is the enemy to entering into the Sabbath's rest. 
We recognize that if we're in unbelief and we stay there, it can lead to a hardened heart and it can bring us to disobedience. We recognize that we're supposed to cease from our works. We need to stop trying to do it our way. We need to learn what God's promises are in his word and his gospel about us and just accept that they are true. And then he says, with all of that, then labor to enter into the rest. And there's a scripture, and i got to find this. This is really an important point, and this is going to be it. Okay, so verse 10 says, For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. So it says, He who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. So he ceased from the works, and then he entered the rest. Ceased from the works, and then entered the rest. So it's kind of like this. We quite often think that if I'm going to go through this narrow door, can everybody see how narrow my door is? And then I got all these bags. I am the bag lady. People on my job know it. I come in with how many bags, and and the guys are so nice to help me carry them out. And I start with my big purse, and then I just add to. So here I am with this big bag and a bunch of other big bags, and I'm going to go through this narrow door with all my bags. And guess what? God said, no, you aren't. You're not coming in with all that baggage. He said, leave it out there and enter into the rest. You don't enter into rest to cease from your labor. You entered in because you ceased from your labor. Does that make sense? When you cease from your labor, then you enter into the rest. Amen? All right. So real quickly, some things that you can do to help you enter into the rest, to labor. Remember, this is not a one-time thing. This is a daily activity. Hourly by hourly, we are fighting to enter into the rest and stay there. Develop a routine of partaking in a healthy diet of the word. Got to do it. Develop a Sabbath day's rest lifestyle. I can't do Sabbath on Sunday. I work on Sunday, right? So my Sabbath is on a Friday. So it doesn't have to be on that Sunday. Remember, Jesus told us that the Sabbath is for the man, not man for the Sabbath. It's for us. It's to renew us, to strengthen us, to build us so that we can enter into the rest. Agree with the gospel message. You are complete in Christ. God has already provided every promise to the blessing, which is Christ. He's provided healing, deliverance, safety, soundness, provision, peace, love, joy, long-suffering, goodness, mercy, grace. It's already yours. Everything is yours, and you've got to agree with that before you can walk in faith in that. Remember to hold fast to your confession. Whatever you're confessing that lines up with the will of God, don't let the enemy talk you out of it. Hold fast to it. We have a great high priest who is constantly making intercession for us. He can be touched by our infirmities. We can boldly go to the throne of grace to find help, to find grace, to find mercy in our time of need. So don't lose your confession. God is there for you. And then remember... Because he can be touched, we are not alone. Because we can, he can be touched, we have an example. Look to Jesus Christ. Don't look to me. Don't look to anybody else. 
Look to Jesus. He is your answer. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. So I encourage you guys, there is only one door to the safe, peaceful, happy rest of God. And that door is faith. Enter in and allow his peace, his rest to guide and to lead you. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. So with that, I never take it for granted that there is anybody here who has not yet met my friend. My friend is Jesus. He is Lord and he is Savior of my life. I cannot imagine one day without him. I can't do it alone. I know it. And because I have him, I have the fullness of life. Everything that I...